Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, joining me via Skype as we just jump right into what's happening across the NHL. Uh, Huge trades, signings, what have you. Uh, I think we would be amiss if we didn't just jump right in and talk about the Matthew Kachuk deal. But before we do that, I just want to uh, say hi to you, Justin. Hi. Aw, Hi, Mark. <laughs> I know. I'm giving you a virtual hug right now. Oh, that's Send- I'm just I'm giving you a virtual fist bump. So okay. Well, does that mean yeah. that as I as I like came in for the hug, I just got punched in the face? Then <laughs> kind of what happened. It's just an awkward like one guy goes in for the handshake, <laughs> another for the fist bump, and you just keep going back and forth. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, well, okay. So this this Brady Kachuk, or, uh, sorry, not Brady Kachuk. Brady Kachuk. I mean, he's a great he's a great guy. Um, but we're not going to talk too much, Brady Kachuk. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, I mean, he comes right out and says it. I I think based on what happened with Goudreau, I think he saw that and went, I can't dick around. I got to just get go. I got to just say what I say. And I don't think, I know they came out and they said, oh, you know, this had nothing to do with Goudreau. I, I totally buy that. I don't think that him leaving was actually contingent on Goudreau. I think it was more about the fact that he just didn't want to be in, not just Calgary. I don't think he wanted to be in Canada. So I, I think, and when you see the when you see the list of teams that were on the potential for him, you can tell he didn't, he did not want to be, he didn't even want to like experience winter. Like as a fair, well, I know he was up for St. Louis, which St. you know, Midwest, but uh, based on where he definitely landed, uh, you know he had he obviously is having no issues with moving to Florida, uh, but your your first reaction to the deal? I mean, my first reaction was what a return haul that Brad for a living got for the Calgary Flames. Given that I, I don't want to say his hand was forced because he didn't have to trade him, they could have gone to arbitration and you know locked him up for a year and then try to figure it out. So it's not like he had to make the move now. They still had till August to figure it out, but. I uh, I think given what he was able to get in return, that's rather impressive. I mean, regardless whether or not you think Huberto and Uyghur are going to stay, he can still flip those two assets for even more stuff. So it's it's rather impressive. And, I mean, look, you, you had Huberto, who was the number two scorer in the NHL last year with 115 points, tied with Johnny Goudreau. So we can call him, uh, yeah, Johnny Hubie. I don't know. What do you want to <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Shut Give up. him the new nick, a new nickname up there. But, uh, I mean, and then, of course, you know, Matthew Kachuk was the eighth, I think the eighth, top scorer in the NHL at 104 points. So you virtually, you know, I don't remember the last time we had a couple hundred-point players swapping places. No, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Or or not even, let, let, like, go beyond the, the 100 points. Just two players who were in the top five of scoring. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, right? I mean, right? Most teams, when you have a guy who's top ten, top five in scoring, you're like, "Frick you!" I'm not getting rid of him. Like, right? You you can never get enough in return to make up for that loss. Like, it just never happens. I don't I don't care how good you think you are. It it rarely ever happens, right? So, as a GM for Calgary, who's I don't want to say hands were tied, but you know he was he was kind of you know pushed to the edge a little bit in terms of just you know you got it you got to do something, right? You just lost Johnny Hockey. Your your fan base knows Kachuk's leaving. He's he's almost out the door. So you got to give him something positive. And I think he did a great job getting back 
Huberdeau, Uyghur, a prospect, and a first-round pick to boot. So he got four really good pieces, in my opinion. I mean, when you when you look at ultimately what they get, uh, Cole Schwint, well, he was he a second-round pick for the Panthers? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, and a second-round pick what last year. So, you know, you're – oh, no, two, year, two years ago, right? So – I mean, he's he's somebody who's ready to probably step in. Uh, twenty nineteen. I'm sorry, he's a third round pick. Twenty nineteen. So wrong okay. all the way around. Uh, <laughs> somebody sitting at home, like, no, dude, Q, I'm turning this off because you're an idiot. Um, twenty nineteen NHL draft, uh, third round pick. But I mean, that that probably speaks to the fact that he's going to be more ready, right? Like he's he's just a B level prospect. He's going to play maybe in the middle six is ultimately your hope, but. Uh, I I mean that's that's still a nice toss in there for the the Calgary Flames. I'm I'm sure they went. I mean we need to have at least one player who who will definitely be playing here beyond this next year. Uh, right. But I you got to think between Huberto and Uyghur, If ne- even if neither one of them end up signing with Calgary, I mean there's two more first round picks m- at minimum. Minimum, right, like minimum, two more first Listen, round picks. So, if Brandon Hagel can get two first round picks from the Lightning, Jonathan Huberdeau can get at least two first round picks. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Hagel also was he was he's cost protected and and a little sure. bit younger. Yeah, yeah, like Huberdeau is, but you're getting a hundred point players. So. Yes, yes, uh, yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, Huberdeau yeah. is definitely, you know, he's I I would imagine, especially with the cap going up next year, that. He's probably going to get somewhere around ten million dollars. Now, maybe not exactly ten million dollars, but probably a pretty similar deal to what Goudreau got, uh, assuming he has at least a really, really good year. You know, still in the point per game kind of year. Then he's going to get nine, ten million dollars next year in free agency. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mean, think so, that that's crazy to assume. Right, and today Jonathan Huberdeau and Uyghur came out and said they would be interested in signing long, long-term deals. Now. Um, you know, whether there's any truth behind that or whether they're literally just saying that to be like, okay, cool, we're happy to be here. So I'm just going to say this. And they, they, you know, of course, they leave it open by saying we'd be interested. Doesn't mean you're going to actually do it. Sure, they're interested but, to see how much money they're willing to give them to, right. to stay, right? I mean, and, and, and I, the other thing is that Huberto is Canadian, right? Like, And so is Mackenzie yes. Weger. So I, I was actually thinking about this as an aside. I'm wondering... As uh, I'll say, maybe the the two countries become a little more uh, not like polarized, but different at this point. It's it seems as though you know COVID has kind of created two different, very different countries. Whereas like twenty years ago, you would go, I mean, what's the difference between Canada and the U.S.? Like outside of yeah, they have different money and and maybe their the economy isn't as as strong in terms of my money's not as valuable, but nobody cares. You're getting paid in American dollars anyways. Uh, so to me, it's, you know, you're, I'm wondering if it's going to have an effect on players going to Canadian teams. And if those Canadian teams start to say, we need to start making sure the guys that we bring in are Canadian so that they want to stay here because this is where they're from. I want, I just, I'm, you know, it's just, I'm curious because the two guys that left Calgary both American and what does the Calgary Flames do in the following deal? Well, they go and they deal for three Canadians uh, and, and obviously a first round pick. So I'm, I wonder if that was on purpose. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely plays a part, right? Because obviously, you know, you you know, you hear about guys that want to go home and play for their hometown, right? And, and maybe that's a ruse. But to me, I I think a lot of this has to do with. And feel free to correct me if you disagree uh, or if you think I'm wrong here. But um, I think a lot of it has to do with taxes, right? So when you play in Florida, right? Sure. Uh, Huberto is going to miss out on a bunch of money because there's no state taxes in Florida. Uh, so he misses know, Kachuk, out about a, I, I I saw it was like a million around a million three a million and a half something like that is, right. is how much so, more he he would make in Florida. Right. So uh, as far as federal taxes are concerned in in Canada and in Alberta, right? So thirty three percent for anything over two hundred and twenty grand yearly is the federal rate. Now as far as the private providence rate it's 15 percent. anything over 314 grand so that's a lot of taxes coming out for yeah. a guy making you know almost six million bucks so you gotta you know assume you're walking home with what 3.1 3.2 million bucks at that point and especially when you sign an extension right it might cost you a little bit more money to stay in canada and for a guy like kachuk i imagine the taxes weren't that big of a deal for for a guy like that it i feel like it more or less came down to he wants to just be in america but yeah. When you talk about future RFAs, UFAs, people like that, you know, again, if you're from Canada, you're familiar with that that taxing. You're familiar with things like weather and, you know, again, not having, I don't want to say these giant metropolitan areas like a lot of these U.S. cities have. So it's it's a different lifestyle in a lot of these Canadian cities. And frankly, I mean, outside of Toronto, right, uh, you know, the I guess you could say maybe the um, – Things like, uh, you know, playing for original six, you know, maybe don't have the lure, um, you know, as they do, for example, like, you know, guys don't need to go out in, in Canada and find an original six team. Right. Because there's there's already that error and that that love of hockey already established there where in the U.S. you might kind of target that a little bit more. But, yeah, you yeah. know, again, yeah, I would say I, factors. I would say Toronto and Montreal are are just on a different stratosphere than any yes. other Canadian team. And that just is what it is. Um, same with same with the cities, too. Uh, I think there's just something different about, especially Toronto in terms of having that international appeal. Uh, but, I, I mean, yeah, it's the same reason why Winnipeg and, and Edmonton have such a hard time holding on to players. I mean, when, when you're going to Edmonton, you're talking, you're like six hours, seven hours away from, from what? What's what's uh, above there? What state is that? Uh, one, of, you know, it's it's not as if you're you're just going to drive across the border like Toronto. Hey, I want to leave. Well, you can get to Buffalo. You can get to Detroit really easily, you know, and you can take that into New York and wherever you want to go. Whereas coming down from Edmonton, you got to drive super far, and then it's not as if you're just driving right into a. A nice metropolitan city in the U.S. hanging out on the border, uh, because let's let's just uh, if you know my computer would would load a little, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're 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 above Montana, right? So then there's there's no way you're just not driving anywhere. Like the closest big city in the U.S. is what Boise, and and that's not a that's not close. You know, you're just so far away from everything that it, it you can never drive. And I mean, not that these players are worried about uh, the cost of a flight. By the way, a, a 16 hour drive from Edmonton to uh, to a big city. I guess uh, probably Seattle is is a little bit closer. 
uh, Seattle's probably, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing 12, 13 and a half. For, uh, for Seattle, from Edmonton. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's just so all. far away <laughs> from everything. Uh, and, and in some respects, so is Calgary. So uh, it's just, it's not an easy, it's not as easy to just get around and bounce around to cities and, and to travel to where your family is. You always have to worry about a border. So I, I get it. Uh, I, I will tell you my favorite quote from Matthew Kachuk was, uh, you know, I hate Edmonton, but I hate Tampa Bay more now. I love that. Yes. I love that. That's so great. He's embracing it. Oh. I mean, just thinking of his uh, his little rivalry with Drew Doughty. And really, at the time when that was going on, it's not as if both teams were really good. So I'm excited for Matthew Kachuk to get in on that Florida rivalry because both teams are still so good. Yeah, he's so going to make life thing. hell for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right. So here's the other thing for Florida in that rivalry. Right. You talk about it. So two two playoffs ago, right? We we saw that six game series between Florida and Tampa, and you thought, man, this is this was a fan- best series of the entire playoffs, in my opinion. Yep. And yep. they come in this year. Florida narrowly escapes, you know, Washington. They were an empty net goal away from, you know, Carl Hagelin basically putting a, a dagger through them, and they were done. Um, and they come into to Tampa, and you figure, okay, cool. You know what? They got they got rid of those that first round demon. They're gonna get their shit together. They're gonna they're gonna put on World War Three with Tampa here. And they just got ran out of the building. I mean, they got embarrassed. Literally scored three goals in all four games. And if your management and Billy Zito, you know, don't get me wrong, Huberto would have been great to sign a long term deal. But you can't possibly come back next year, especially with the limited cap space they have, and say, you know what? We're going to be competitive with Tampa again, going back with the same group, right? Like you just can't keep coming back with the same group and expect different results. It's just not going to happen. So you have to shake things up. You have to bring in somebody different, I think, and you had to find some sort of different identity. And that's part of the reason why they didn't go back with Andrew Burnett. They brought in Paul Maurice. And, you know, again, Kachuk is that unicorn. He's that he's got so many tools that, you know, no offense to Huberto, he just didn't have. And, uh, you know, honestly, you know, Huberto's a much better passer, in my opinion, but it doesn't matter. Like, all the other stuff Kachuk brings, I think I'd rather have that on my team right now. And so that just helps bring a different identity. And the other great thing is they've got Barkov locked up for another eight years. They've got, you know, Kachuk locked up for eight years. So they can go at this. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be a good team. For a long time. Uh, the one one thing about the Florida Panthers right now is – that they have to uh, because because of them buying out Keith Yandel. Uh, Keith Yandel's cap hit for this year is five point three million dollars. <laughs> so they are paying that like that's a huge chunk out of their cap for a team that is going out and signing a Matthew Kachuk over a over uh, Huberdo, which I mean a four almost a four million dollar difference between those two salaries this year. Uh, it makes it very inconvenient for the Florida Panthers, and now they're going to have to deal someone, and you you can't buy anyone out anymore. So I'm wondering what happens with like is Patrick Hornquist? I mean, he seems to be the most obvious answer. Uh, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. He's a five point three million dollar cap hit. He would trading him would alleviate all your issues. It's just does anybody want him? No, I, especially I mean, at five point three million. Uh, so, 
and and it's not like Flor. I mean, I, I hit twenty eight points in sixty five games. You know, it's not as if he's terrible. Um, no, he could go be a third line guy somewhere. I feel like, but but see I now mean, now Florida has to give up uh, maybe a second round pick to get rid of him. I think it might cost him even more. They don't have a first of, round pick. Well, that's the thing. They don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't have one for the next three years. And I think if you're a team. Right, you want to fleece a first-round pick to be able to take. I mean, five million bucks is a lot of money to take on with, you know, the salary cap where it is. There's not a whole lot of teams that can do that um, right now, or at least teams that would be willing to, where they they don't want to save their cap space for, you know, uh, you know, at the deadline that sort of thing. But you know, for me, I, the one piece I actually look at a little bit more unlikely to get traded because, again, I think Patrick Hornquist, right he's going to cost, you know, a first round pick or maybe a second round pick and more. And maybe Florida doesn't want to do that because they don't have a, a deep prospect pool. Um, to me, I think, you know, and they were rumored to be shopping, you know, last year at the beginning of the off season. And to me, Barbarowski looks like the more likely candidate to get dealt here in my opinion. And, uh, you know, honestly, where does he go? That's, that's a good question. Um, uh, you know, that's 10 million bucks that you got to, you got a deal there, so you know. I assume, you know, wherever they do decide to deal him, if a deal gets done, they got to take something back. And so, um, you know, who knows, you know, or how that's going to happen. But still, you know, a team like, gosh, uh, I don't even know where to point to. I mean, you could look at, uh, and there's just not a whole lot of teams that can take. I mean, there's there's almost no one that can just take a straight ten million. Um, off your book now. I know. I know you. You said yeah that they would have to take someone else's uh, well, someone sure, else yeah. expensive as well. But the teams that even have a little space to budge, right? Like uh, that would make this move. It, it it almost doesn't make sense for anyone. Like who who out there needs Bobrovsky? That a obviously they they need to have a goalie who is far worse than Bobrovsky, right? Like we're not just talking like, yeah, Bobrovsky's a little bit better because uh, he's, he's paid so much. Uh, I I'm just looking up, up and down the list. It's, it's not as if there's a ton of teams that are just looking to, to super upgrade their goaltending position. Uh, and well, let me ask you this. So here's a team I was thinking of and um, you know, they, they've been taking some good strides in the off season. They, they bring in a guy like Barakowski, uh, you know, they, they get Shane right at the draft and you think, okay, you know, they, they're not too keen on Philip Grubauer. That's why they went out and got Martin Jones. And, uh, you know, Chris Drager is going to be obviously on IR to start the season from what I understand. Well, I so, think that's why they got Martin Jones. Not because, well, yes, I, absolutely. I, you but do you think, think maybe that... if they flip Grubauer back to him because they don't have to take on as many years as still left on Grubauer's, you know, contract, do you think maybe a team like that would be willing to, yeah. You know, eat a couple million for the next couple of years. Instead. But then you know what? When you deal Grubauer to the Florida Panthers and he becomes a a Vesna Trophy candidate <laughs> again, then you just look like an idiot. Well, sure, so, absolutely. So but, I, I mean, I don't think you you're like willing. An idiot last year when he was garbage. Yeah, but I don't think you're willing to give up on him so quickly, especially because Bobrovsky was in the same exact boat when he came to Florida. He had a terrible first year and making ten million dollars a year. I I don't think that a a I don't think that Seattle is going to want to just give up that that cap space. I mean, I guess yeah, it's an extra four or something million. They don't even have that cap space. 
(laughs) They're already spending, and they have no players making more than, well, more than Grubauer at 5.9. It's just they have one, two, three, four, six, seven players making more than $5 million. (laughs) Well, Chris Dreger's uh, cap hit's going to go on IR, so that'll alleviate $3.5 bucks right there, but. Still, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I understand what you're getting at. They'd, they're they'd right have to move the someone cap. else as well to to get under the floor, which I mean, they they have some deals that they could move, but I, yeah, I, sure. I don't know if I see the Kraken going out. Like, at this point, do we look at the Kraken and say, no, they're, they're probably, again, going to be pretty, like, bottom 10 of the league, and that, that I think they're going to be okay with that. They're going to build that way. Um, they're going to have a team that's relatively competitive and as these guys' deals come up, they can trade them for picks, and and they'll they'll continue to grow their team from there. I don't think they're taking the, they're not trying to go Vegas approach because it's just not going to work. I mean, you just can't do the lightning in a bottle kind of thing over and over. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. So they took the typical approach, at the slow the slow build approach, and you know I I guess the one. If I'm if I'm if I have to pull a couple teams that could make that move for Bobrovsky, I mean one that comes to mind is kind of the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you could make it work, just send them back. <laughs> uh, I don't know that he'd want to do that, but uh, the other one, you know, maybe the San Jose Sharks. They haven't had a really good goalie in a long time, and they do have some cap space to work with. And, you know, if you were to just take James Reimer from them, that takes a little a little penny, and you probably have to figure out something else for him. I mean, geez, what would you have to do? Would you have to just take Vlasic? <laughs> Trey, what, 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 what about that? Ooh. What about Vlasic for Bobrovsky? You get $3 million in cap space. You also get, a, you get an okay defenseman, you know, and uh, and both guys have four years left on their deal, and maybe moving uh, Vlasic into a you know second pairing, maybe even the third line pairing in Florida, maybe that kind of rejuvenates him because he's not the guy who's being required to play all the defense for the for the you know for that back end. So an interesting idea, no doubt. Yeah, or maybe. Uh... You know, I don't know who's on his 16-team no-trade list, but maybe, uh, you know, Chicago wants to take him. They've got $10 million in space, and maybe we get Peter Morazic in Florida, which would oh, be gosh. great. So. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I guess the other uh, – oh, man, there's just – it's just impo- – it's it's next to impossible to move a $10 million contract. Yeah, at this um, with point, four it's, years it's hard. Yeah. It's why I don't, see, I don't see Florida moving him, especially because you need two goalies. I mean, if they dump him – they still need to find another goalie, right? Like, oh sure, yeah. Look at look at. I mean, San Jose, right? They've got three goalies right now. That's I, that's why I love your trade proposal because I'd yeah. love to see San Jose with four goalies on their roster. <laughs> okay, well they would. I I would assume they'd send like maybe James Reimer back to Florida, which he he had some good years in Florida. So yeah, there you go. Uh, that that wouldn't be uh, too crazy to to guess, but yeah, it's uh, Florida's going to have to do something because they are definitely over the cap and uh, there's. There's, it's not a, no one's injured, not, none of that. So somebody's going to have to move here, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, what, what, uh, what other things are, are we we looking at? Oh, we have uh, Pierre Luc Dubois resigns with the Winnipeg Jets, one year, six million dollars. They avoid arbitration, and uh, 
According to Dubois, I didn't ask for a trade. There was no doubt in my mind I was going to show up for camp. I'm excited to meet the new coaching staff and players. Oh, yeah, of course. He's not going to demand a trade. That just looks terrible. Uh, yeah, he's already done it. He did it like a year ago. Right? Like, I know, but but it doesn't matter. He signs his, his qualifying offer, right? He gets that one year. And guess what? He can go back and do it again next year for one year and then hit free agency. But I think what he's doing is he's putting pressure on management now to say, hey, you know, I mean, again, not requesting a trade, but I, again, if his agent came out and said that he wants to be in Montreal, right? Right. So I, I'm, I'm a firm believer where there's smoke, there's fire. And so, yes, I, Pierre-Luc Dubois would be a great sentiment that, you know, I'm sure Montreal would love to have. But the question is, does Montreal want him and do they want to trade for him at this point? Because I'm sure they, you know, again, while they're still planning on tanking or being towards the bottom of the league this year, I still think they, um, you know, don't want to give up those assets quite yet for a guy well, like Dubois when they think they can just wait it out. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, according to what they have right now and like maybe a, a good timeline, in two years, it'd be a great time to scoop him in free agency and not Absolutely. have to give up anything. Right, like you, you continue to to be a bottom team. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna have. I think in the next six months, we're gonna know Carey Price's future, and potentially you're you're gonna have ten and a half million dollars available to you uh, because he may retire, and if he doesn't, then it's it, you know if, if I I mean. Based on what I saw with Carey Price and the way that he was talking, I don't see how that man is gonna is gonna be a ten million dollar goaltender ever again. Uh, no, I don't know how he's gonna be an NHL goalie anymore. But l- these guys' bodies are they're freaks of nature, right? So it, it it nothing would ultimately surprise me if Carey Price makes the comeback and he does his thing and and he shows back up and he's a a an average NHL goalie, which would still put him in a, you know, in a very good position. It would put Montreal, frankly, in a position where they might win uh, with the, they do have a lot of veteran players around this team. So it's not as if they're in a complete tank mode because I don't, I don't know that they know where they're at. Like you've still got Mike Hoffman, Evgeny Dadanov. You've got a 28 year old Josh Anderson and Brendan Gallagher, uh, Nick Suzuki signed to a big deal now. Like th- this team's kind of in a funny, funny spot. You know, they they just signed David Savard last year. I mean, they, there's a lot of working parts here where they they might contend for a playoff spot next year, and it wouldn't be the craziest thing if they were yeah. in a position to do so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they went out and essentially traded a first round pick and a third round pick for Kirby doc as well. So they, they want to acquire young, talented, you know, players. And so they're, it's not like they're tanking. Right. I mean, I agree with you. I think, you know, again, they still have to get Kirby doc signed, but you know, I think they want to do what you said, right. They want to go see where they are, see how they compete. Uh, Obviously I don't think they're a playoff team ultimately, but they don't want to also go out and, you know, hit rock bottom again either. I think Uh, they're hoping that Brendan Gallagher has a bounce back season. I think, with Kirby Doc potentially playing that second line center role, I think they're hoping that uh, between him, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, hopefully getting a little bit better, I think they think they can go out there and uh, you know compete in this this division here, where some of the teams are, you know, you could say maybe are potentially getting a little weaker. 
And so. and is there any hope of a a Jonathan Drouin return? Yeah, I mean, you you could see him coming back, and I I don't you know from what I've heard, um, you know he's still potentially. I again I don't know the full injury report, but you know there's there's the sentiment that he's going to return at some point this season. So, um, you know, again I don't I don't know in what capacity or if you know they're just going to move on at this point from him. So. Um, but regardless, I think even if you do move him, you'll still get something back in return. And, you know, again, you just have to, at this point, just, you know, keep on keeping on. So I, I and absolutely uh, there are teams who would, uh, who would take that $5 million, five and a half million of Jonathan drew in and, and bring it into their fold to see, Hey, maybe this guy can have an impact on our team. Uh, yeah. And I think a guy like, no, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, especially if Montreal is willing to hold any of that salary. Oh, absolutely. And I, I you know, speaking of salary dumps, you know, I, I think Evgeny Dadinoff is going to feel a little slighted, a little bit, a uh, little chip on his shoulder, I think. So he might, he might come out and surprise a lot of people that he still has something left to give. Yeah. So. And fetch a, a, a high draft pick in yeah, the, at, at the trade deadline too, which would be, uh, Boy, maybe they can do it do it the right way. Hopefully, you know they've they've submitted his no trade <laughs> thing to them. Yeah, right. I don't want to repeat of that. Uh, one uh, Patrick Line also signs with the the Columbus Blue Jackets a a large deal uh, eight point seven million for the next four years. Uh, Patrick Line is, cashes in, and I'm sure he he is all the happiest to accept and to play with Johnny Goudreau for the next four years. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? Right. Uh, he'll happily move to the right side right. to accommodate yeah, that's just a, Johnny hockey. That's going to be a great tandem. I, I feel like, and you know, whomever they get to play center, I think the season they'll start off with Jack Roslevic on that first line center position. But I think eventually, uh, you know, like I've been singing his praises all off season. I think Kent Johnson will eventually slide in there at some point. Um, but regardless, I think, you know, if you look at their top six wingers, they've got Goudreau, Line, Voracek, and Nyquist. That's just, that's a fantastic group of wingers to have. And, you know, I, I, Nyquist is going to be a UFA at the end of the season. And from what I understand, according to, um, you know, the, the insiders and, you know, the, the reporters from Columbus, that he's very beloved by the fan base, very beloved by the organization. And so it wouldn't shock me if they get some sort of extension done with him, mm-hmm. especially now that, you know, York Strands out of that organization. They yeah, had to that, move on that, from him. That so. alleviated some some cap issues. Uh, they're now only they're, they're now right at right at the cap, less than a million dollars yeah. over. So. I mean, they've got more than thirteen forwards. They've got more than you know seven defensemen on the roster. So guys will get moved down. Right. Um. You know. So things will. You know. They'll get under the cap. Basically, is what we're going at. But, uh, you know, I I think you know Lonnie's gonna. Have a, I mean, a really good playmaker on his his opposite wing here, a guy who can really dish the puck now. So, you know, hopefully we uh, we see a forty goal score line here because uh, man, if he only puts up a point per game, that that eight point seven million dollars will, I mean, not be awful, but it's it's going to look like got to oh, score you know, some goals. Got to yeah, score you, some you gotta, goals. You got to do something more here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I mean, and Johnny Goudreau coming into this team, uh, he's the reason why on our next show we're going to do the top ten most likely players to break out this next year in the NHL. And uh, he is the reason why, I, you know, one of the first teams I went and looked at were the Columbus Blue Jackets and went, who's going to break out? Like, who's going to benefit the most 
from Johnny Goudreau playing all of a sudden, like moving, shuffling everyone around in this lineup. Uh, so tune in for that show. I'll, I'll answer that question uh, on the next show. But uh, yeah, the, the top 10 breakout players uh, will be our next show. So just wanted to tease that, you know. I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Uh, as far as the unsigned UFAs, are you surprised that not not necessarily like the Nazem Kadri thing? I'm not shocked that nothing's happened because I think he's due. Like he's still going to get paid, and these teams are figuring out how how do we like how can we get him into onto our team and also pay him. Uh, it's not as if he's going to go play somewhere for four million bucks. You know, <laughs> he's going to get right. he's going to get paid. Uh, maybe not as much as he had hoped. You know, you you have a career high in eighty seven points, and and you probably are like, holy crap, am I going to get eight million bucks? No, no, sorry, Nas, you're not going to get eight million bucks. Uh, not unless you maybe if you sign in like Arizona, you might be able to do that. But um, that's if you want to play in front of three thousand rowdy fans forty one times <laughs> a year for the next three years. Uh, the guys I'm surprised about, Phil Kessel. John Klingberg, yeah, like even like a Patrick Subban, I'm surprised that they haven't fallen in somewhere. One year, one million. Not John Klingberg, uh, particularly Kessel and Subban. That type of you know one year, three million, whatever. Like those lower, easy deals to make. Uh, why do you think those those guys haven't signed anywhere yet? Well, I think honestly. You know, we, we talked about a lot of the teams being over the cap limit right now. And again, they might have to do some roster shuffling. A couple of those teams, like we talked about Columbus or maybe Philly to get underneath. But I think some of those teams still want to make moves. And I think they're still trying to move pieces out, right? I mean, to take advantage, you know, Arizona, Anaheim, they want to, you know, take advantage. They still got to get above the cap floor. They still need to add money. Yeah, like Anaheim, I know. Anaheim, Anaheim's another four million bucks under. Right. So they want to add pieces or, or they're more than willing to add pieces, but they want to, you know, obviously, uh, you know, steal some draft picks from teams to do so. And so I think a lot of these teams right now, it's kind of the waiting game. They're trying to move some pieces around. For example, like I think Kadri, for example, is going back to Colorado and saying, hey, can we make something work here? And so maybe they're trying to move some pieces. Similarly, maybe a team like, you know, for example, that might want some help on the wing. Um, you know, you could look at, you know, a team like Vancouver, right? I think they would like to try to find a way to get better this season. And, you know, going back with the same group is just not, you know, going to be as successful. And so maybe they look at, you know, a guy like Connor Garland or, you know, um, you know, Oliver Ekman Larson, and maybe they're trying to figure out a way to move some of those guys so they can bring in a John Kleenberg or somebody else in that Ford group to make, you know, to have an impact that maybe they didn't have last year. And so, um, you know, to me, I think right now it's just a waiting game, right? Um, you know, but once there are a- teams with cap space. I mean, though, I'd say the one team I'm most surprised with is the New York Islanders. They miss out on Johnny Gaudreau. They they really have not done very much at all in this off season. And when you look, you know, they fire their head coach. They say, you know, they're they're definitely still in a win now mode. And looking at this team. I mean, other than Alex, bringing in Alexander Romanov, who also, by the way, is yet to sign as well, uh, this team's really done almost nothing. And you got to think, Nazem Kadri would be a prime 
type of player to bring into this team. It's a veteran-laden team. They they could use another center. I mean, who can't use another center? But I mean, Kadri can play the wing too, and so can a lot of their centers. You know, like Anders Lee, he's probably more suited for the the wing position now. Uh, you can you can shift guys around. Uh, he would fit nicely into that roster. Oh, and by the way, they only have four defensemen signed going into next year. Uh, I'm I'm surprised that they have been so quiet uh, for a team that seemingly wants to make the playoffs next year and thinks they still have a team that can compete. Uh, that that's my my thought on that. Yeah, I mean, a team like New York, right? I I thought about them too, but I think a guy like you know Noah Dobson needs an extension. Fifty-one points last year, right-handed shot. He's going to command a little bit of money, and I think they're still trying to get that worked out at at a cap hit that is uh, favorable for them. You know, Lou Lamorello is going to try to get guys signed on the cheap. There's no doubt. Milky. I think they're also trying to work out an extension for Barzell and see what that number is going to cost them. But also, too, I think they might be like you said, trying to go after some other pieces. So maybe they're trying to see if they can't move a guy like Kyle Palmieri out or uh, see if a team's not willing to take on Varlamov's contract, right, for this season so they can bring in maybe a guy like Phil Kessel on the cheap at like three, four million bucks for one season and see what he can do. Because, look, a team like New York has had trouble finding somebody to play on the wing with Barzell. And I know, you know, Phil Kessel, again, he's he's a little bit older than most of your your younger free agents that I think teams would typically target, but he can still skate. He can still pass. And so you saw what he did last year with Clayton Keller. He was still able to keep up and play a really skilled high level game. And so I think he would look okay, at least for one year with Barzell. But, you know, I'm um, wondering, I'm wondering with Kessel, if he doesn't have an offer on the table from the Arizona Coyotes and he's just saying, can I, you know, I just, I want to see what, if I can sign with a, with a contender and, uh, and I, you know, hey, I, I enjoy my time there, and let me just see. You know, uh, yeah. they're, they're not a team that's going to win. I think they're well aware of that. They've got a lot of cap space. It wouldn't shock me if there was an offer on the table for him that he's just waiting to see if he can maybe find a a, a place where he could go win once more. And uh, and if he doesn't get that, then he could just re up in Arizona, and they, and they wouldn't have any problem with that. I don't think. Yeah, and I think for a guy like, you know, Kadri and Kessel, right, maybe they want, you know, a few more years of term than some teams might be willing to give, right? Because, look, Kessel's 34, Kadri's 31, and if you give Kadri a seven-year deal, he'll be 38, right? And so you don't want to pay him, sure. you know, big money at 38 years old to be a second-line center. It's just, it's just you know, the way he plays the game, I don't see him being that productive. You're, you're you know? looking at a five-year deal, I think, for him. Yeah, at the most, absolutely. I, and and I usually like that five year deal is there because it lowers the cap hit of the previous four years, right? Like, right. Who cares? I mean, really, in the in the life of of uh, hockey executives, five years down the road, you don't know <laughs> where you're going to be, anyways. So. Right. Well, and when's the cap going up in a couple of years right. too? You know, that that right. cap hit might not be as bad in a couple of years as it would now. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, obviously, the the other obvious team for a place like Kadri, we've said it before, and uh, since losing Goudreau, is is the Calgary Flames, and it and now that they've gone out and gotten Huberdeau, it's it would be a very attractive like, oh, all right, well, I, yeah, sucks, I don't get to play with Goudreau, but I'll go play with Jonathan Huberdeau, who has also just quietly made players a crap ton of money because right. he just feeds the puck. 
Kadri would probably score 30, 35 goals again, and the Calgary Flames would be, like, truly, they would be Stanley Cup contenders because that Pacific Division is not that good. And with a goaltender, uh, you can you really could fly through there. You know, they're, they're, Edmonton will be very good. They'd be the team to beat. Uh, but Markstrom, man, he could steal you a series, no doubt. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And the funny thing is, I mean, it, we didn't even mention this, but Mackenzie Weger, he's the fifth highest paid defenseman on that team. But in my opinion, he's the best defenseman on that team. I think he's mm-hmm. much more talented than everybody else on that roster as far as, you know, the ability to move the puck out of the zone, you know, produce offense, and he still plays a great two-way game. So, uh, you know, I mean, there, is, there was a, an interview on, I think it was NHL.com, uh, was like an interview with Connor McDavid, and they asked him about the trade. And mm-hmm. and he actually said, you know, that Mackenzie Weger is way better than any than people realize. Like, he's he's right. a, an excellent defenseman. So yeah. Well, I, here's the best part about that: he shoots right, but because Aaron Ekblad's a right-handed shot, he's been playing on the left side most of his career with Ekblad. So now he gets to move over potentially that right side and shift guys like Anderson and Tanev down, you know, Tanev down the lineup, and so he can play with you know a guy like Noah Hannafin or or Zadorov and. And really take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, hey, as the off season continues, we'll uh, we'll keep coming back to, uh, to episodes about what's going on. I, I expect usually here in the next like week, I, I would expect we're going to hear something because a lot of these guys in August, it's like, no, we're not doing any work. <laughs> <laughs> this is our actual time off. Uh, so I, I think here we'll probably likely hear. Uh, a few more signings here in the next few days and then then it'll really quiet down so then then we'll just like bust out like what nine lists a week you ready for that yeah i'm ready yeah (laughs) nine nine (laughs) lists uh well again uh join us for our next show as we do the top 10 breakout players of uh this upcoming season and until then we will talk to you guys very soon find us on twitter at ot hockey talk and justin you have a great rest of your day (laughs) 